The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Good morning. It's Thursday, the 4th of January here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the latest Federal Reserve Minutes say interest rates have probably peaked as markets price in cuts from March. Two explosions in Iran mark a new peak in regional tensions in the Middle East. Plus, what local councils in the UK going bankrupt means for public services. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Officials at the Federal Reserve expect interest rates to remain in restrictive territory for some time, but acknowledge they have probably peaked and will go down this year. Minutes from the December meeting showed increased optimism from policymakers, though Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says a soft landing wasn't inevitable. Most of us forecasted rate normalization to begin sometime this year. But the range of estimates was pretty wide, um, from two folks who forecasted no cuts uh, to one person who forecasted as many as six. So I'd, I'd caution you to focus less on the rate path and more on the flight path. Is inflation continuing its descent? And is the broader economy continuing to fly smoothly? Conviction on both questions will determine the pace and timing of any change in rates. Barkin didn't rule out a March interest rate cut when asked. Futures markets have been anticipating the Fed will cut rates six times this year, beginning with a likely quarter point reduction in March. That's versus the Fed's quarterly projection, implying three cuts in 2024. Authorities in Iran say that two explosions which killed nearly 100 people are retaliation for its stance against Israel. The blast happened at a memorial service for Qasem Soleimani, an Iranian commander killed in a US drone strike four years ago. Professor Fawaz Gurjiz from the London School of Economics says that there's speculation about who's done it. If Israel really is behind this attack, this would really bring about what we fear a region-wide conflict. We have to wait and see, because yeah. Iran has many enemies, as you know, terrorist organizations, non-state actors, so the jury is still out. For Gurjis, Iran and Hezbollah have to respond to any provocation, else their domestic credibility suffers. The United States has said there was, quote, no reason to believe that Israel was involved. Activity in China's services sector has rebounded to the highest level in five months. Kaishin's private survey rose to a reading of 52.9 from 51.5 in November, beating estimates that it would barely move. But in separate data, wages offered to Chinese workers in major cities declined by the most on record. It underscores persistent deflationary pressures and sluggish consumer confidence in the world's second largest economy. 
Previously confidential documents related to Jeffrey Epstein have been made public in federal court in New York after a years-long battle over their release. Many of the names featured are widely reported former associates of the late disgraced financier, including the former US President Bill Clinton and the UK's Prince Andrew. Both have denied knowing about or participating in inappropriate conduct with Epstein. Paul Palentia is a former US federal prosecutor. He says that judgments regarding the case are partially due to the work of victims. Part of the reason why Jeffrey Epstein was prosecuted in New York, or at least was indicted in New York, was because Virginia Jeffrey would not stop. The released documents were part of a 2015 lawsuit against Ghislaine Maxwell, who is serving a 20-year sentence for sex trafficking. Donald Trump has asked the US Supreme Court to overturn a ruling barring him from the presidential ballot in Colorado. Bloomberg's Eric Larson says the appeal has a number of possible outcomes. The court could rule, for example, that the Colorado Supreme Court didn't give Trump due process that he deserved under this case that happened in Colorado. That's another argument that Trump is making. He's also arguing that the 14th Amendment, the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bars insurrectionists from holding office, Uh, federal office doesn't apply to the office of the presidency, only to other types of federal officers. And the Supreme Court could overturn that Colorado decision based only on on those findings if they wished, without specifically weighing in on whether Trump uh, was an insurrectionist. Um, But of course, that is another option for the court. That's Bloomberg's legal reporter Eric Larson. Despite the former president's many ongoing legal cases, he is the current frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination. Here in the UK, investment-boosting tax breaks are failing to attract businesses. New data shows that sluggish corporate activity could still prove problematic for the economy. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has the details. British companies are limiting their spending because of high debt servicing costs and a stagnant economy. According to a survey by the British Chamber of Commerce, stalling investment will continue to hold back growth despite government tax breaks. During the last quarter of 2023, most companies kept their investment unchanged, whilst almost 20% decreased it. That's despite the number of firms expecting an increase in turnover growing over the same period. The news comes after Chancellor Jeremy Hunt made incentives designed to unlock corporate spending permanent in November last year. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Now in a moment, our UK economy reporter Tom Rees joins us to discuss the growing number of local councils in England effectively declaring bankruptcy from Woking to Birmingham, Nottingham City. So we'll unpack that story for you. But first, the Macro Man column raises a nice little question that I thought we'd discuss. At what point do you start taking year-to-date performance in any given year seriously as an indicator of returns going forwards? Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a key question as, as we look at it. I mean, year-to-date indicators not telling us very much on the 4th of January, <laughs> has, to be, has to be said. But it is something that uh, is, it's an interesting argument unpacked by Cameron Crees in this piece. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, fir- the reason that it comes up is that the first trading day of this year was just so rotten and it was such an abrupt sort of reversal of the November to December kind of rally. So Cameron Crees goes into quite a lot of detail um, and actually he looks at the kind of dispersion of return of 
of um, days and what it means for investing. And he does point to actually the fourth day in, so only the fourth day into a new year, that actually perhaps there is some correlation between that and the rest of the year. But he has a really nice piece looking at where the tipping point is, you know, as you go through the calendar year. Okay, so that's from Cameron Crees, a macro man, Colin, worth your time this morning. Let's get more now, though, on what we learned from the Federal Reserve's meeting minutes and the outlook for the US Central Bank. Policymakers agreed that rates were probably at or near their peak uh, and seem more optimistic about the downward path for inflation going forward. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Daniel Moss joins us now for more. Daniel, great to have you with us on the programme. So these were the minutes of the December meeting where Jerome Powell made those dovish comments which sparked a market rally. Did the minutes match the chair's What's important to remember, the minutes aren't transcripts. Transcripts come out five years later. So uh, presentationally, they can differ from what the chair said at his press conference, which was much more contemporaneous. One thing that perhaps has not attracted the attention that it's deserved was a remark from Jay Powell at his verbal briefing where he said, we are, quote, well into restrictive territory. So what does that imply? That implies you can still be restrictive, as the minutes indicate, and cut rates. There's no inconsistency there. If you're well into restrictive territory, you can still cut rates and hold at restrictive territory. So I don't see an enormous contradiction there. Okay, but there were some hawkish notes. How much caution did the minutes sort of show and throw up? Thomas Barkin's comments also in terms of imminent rate cuts. Well, at no point did Jay Powell say in his briefing the rate cuts were imminent. Now, people have tried to sort of fence around uh, verbally with Fed officials to try to tease out the March thing. Mm. I don't know that it matters significantly whether it's March, April or May, it's fairly unambiguous uh, that unless something changes dramatically, rates are coming, rate cuts are coming, and there'll be several of them. You know, in terms of Bark, and we've had this conversation before, there's one thing I learned over the course of a decade in Washington, listening to Federal Reserve officials and going to Federal Reserve lockups. At hinge points, Focus on the policymakers who are the most important. That means the triumvirate, the chair, the vice chair, and the head of the New York Fed. It's been a while since the Richmond Fed, all respect to Thomas Barkin, counted for a lot. We also had some data out yesterday, job openings, the ISM manufacturing reading as well, both showing some weakness. How does the data and the jobs report due out tomorrow play into the, the rate cuts narrative and, and what happens next? I think they're entirely consistent with the idea of rate cuts. You know, there was a lot of um, backslapping toward the end of 2023 that a US recession Uh, had been avoided or that it hadn't been detected. It's important to remember the US gauges a recession differently from most other advanced economies, which base it on two consecutive quarters of contraction in GDP. With the US, 
the committee that determines the life and death of business cycles is pretty disdainful of that rule. We will only know if a recession began at the end of 2023, perhaps not till the middle of 2024. Often the recession has passed before this august panel will call its beginning. Mm. One to watch out for then uh, and think about. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us as ever. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Daniel Moss. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Well, let's turn to a story from the UK next on the parlous state of local government finances in several English towns and cities. Birmingham and Nottingham are among those who've declared effective bankruptcy with what's known as a Section 114 notice. Their residents may soon be facing a similar situation to the London commuter town of Woking. Our UK economy reporter Tom Rees joins us now for more on this story. Tom, how widespread are the problems then around local government finances in the UK? I mean, that, that's the billion pound question at the moment. I mean, a, a recent survey found that around one in five local councils say they are very or fairly likely to issue what we call these Section 114 notices in the next two years. I mean, th- this would be them effectively declaring bankruptcy. And un- under these, the, the councils are admitting that they can't balance the books as they are legally obligated to do. Uh, and they need to take drastic action, you know, such as, you know, massive cuts to spending, bigger council tax rises. Um, well, we, as you said, we had three of these last year, Woking, Birmingham and Nottingham. But there's there's a sense in the sector that that's just the, you know, the tip of the iceberg and there's there's many more to come. Uh, that, that could arrive in an election year, which is obviously not very helpful for Rishi Sunet's government. Um, because, I mean, a, a big part of the reason why these councils were in such dire straits is, is because they've had massive real terms cuts to their grants from central government, you know, since the austerity period. Um, uh, and it just adds, mm. adds to that sense of the public sector kind of deteriorating. Yeah, absolutely. Not very helpful for voters either. I mean, Woking nestled just outside of London in the green leafy belt. They issued the Section 114 notice last June. How bad were the financial problems in Woking? And actually, tell us a bit about what's happened since then to to this town. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty bad case in in Woking in particular. While the cuts to central government grants haven't helped in Woking, this is a a bad case of financial mismanagement. Um, So in order to help to boost their income, they've gone on this massive commercial property investment spree that has massively backfired. Um, It's included spending huge amounts on developments. They've included skyscrapers and a new... Hilton Hotel, which is expected to ramp up their debt to around 2.4 billion, which for the size of the council it is, is just absolutely monstrous. I mean, it makes Woking the most indebted council in the country relative to its size. Um, since issuing that 114 notice last, last June, it's had to look at drastic cuts to spending, you know, 
the town's main swimming pool may close, community centres which provide services to the elderly, such as you know, bathing and meals, they're having their funding withdrawn. The town's main art gallery is uh, is having all its funding from the council removed, sports pitches, public toilets. It's literally affected mm. almost every corner of this town. So what does it mean then for the likes of Birmingham, which is a much bigger city? Um, we're just starting to see the proposals from Birmingham um, on what cuts they're, they're looking at. And it, it's it's a pretty similar story, but just on a on a bigger scale. We're still waiting for um, the, the full details from Birmingham, which, remember, is Europe's largest local authority. It's set out proposals for around 150 million of cuts, so a much bigger scale than Woking. But they include stuff like 57 million from the Children and Families Department, 29 million from highways and bins. So it's it's something that residents there will really notice. But then what are the options open to councils? Are they going to effectively need to be bailed out by government, central government? It's, it's tricky. There's not a whole lot they can do. Um, g- given the cuts from... Uh, in grants from central government, given inflation, given you know the amount that demand is rising for things, their services like social care. I mean, they they can cut spending drastically when they issue these one one fours. They can increase council tax, or, or they could sell assets to help their finances. But I mean, uh, it doesn't really get to the the real crux of the issue. I mean, the, the government is trying to distance itself from the problem. Really, it's kind of blaming these one one fours on the mismanagement of local councils. And that is true to to a certain extent, um, but it, it doesn't really help address the the, the real issue that, that underpins these one one fours. I mean, Michael Gove, the, the Secretary of State in charge of this, has provided he provided last month for another four billion of extra funding for the next financial year to help councils. But the sector just says this is just not enough to kind of stave off those headwinds, you know, from inflation mm. and rising demands, etc. It, it it does it does create quite a big political issue in potentially in an election year if if a lot more of these councils go go bust. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.